Today I'm recording a uh, special episode on the topic of sin. I've been impressed as we've been looking through the Book of Mormon as how sin is defined and how people respond to the idea of sin. And when they have sinned, what do they do about it? Have we made too much out of the process of sinning? And how much of our understanding of sinning is based on a fourth century view of what sin is and what we needed to do about it? Thank you for joining us on this special episode as we talk about the importance of sin and the importance of metaneo, or returning to God. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another Monday morning Book of Mormon class with Kevin Hinckley. Recorded live, we dive deeply and deliberately into this inspired scripture. How far we get? in one class depends a lot on the material and the doctrines left for us by ancient prophets. A single chapter may occupy one class or many. Of course, opinions expressed by the teacher or the class members do not constitute official church doctrines. Join us in this adventure and discover the hidden treasures found within its pages. And now, on to the class. Over the centuries, few topics have divided Christians and different Christian sects as the topic of sin, what sin looks like, what is the nature of sin, what we're supposed to do when we sin, how do we take care of it, how does God see sin? In the process of the Restoration, uh, the Prophet Joseph Smith brought a beautiful explanation of our ultimate eternal goal and that is that we are we want to be reconciled uh, and return to live with our heavenly parents that said uh, the prophet Alma has added talking about uh, we're supposed to be taking on the divine nature ultimately we begin to we're able to live with our heavenly parents when we have taken on their nature when we have been changed when we become something different well if that's the case then it's actually really easy to define what is sin and what is not and it's simply this sin is any action intentional or unintentional malicious or naive any action any behavior that the result of which the consequences of which is that we are left more distant from God sin is anything that separates us from God's embrace and puts us farther away and anything that we would do in terms of the anti-sin any uh, behavior and and things that we do on our side that bring us closer to God Let's make it very, very simple. Sin is anything that separates. Uh, Anti-sin or obedience is anything that brings us back into their presence, brings it closer. Okay? Well, if that's the case, there are a lot of things that really uh, could be identified as a sin. 
certainly the easy ones are sin is the breaking of any known commandment. The, the commandments were given, as we remember, the commandments are given to teach us how to love, to give us those uh, behavioral changes that make us more compatible with, with living eternally and being comfortable with exaltation. So the breaking of any commandment is certainly a sin, uh, and not because God is disappointed or God is angry. The breaking of a, of a known commandment is just breaking a set of guidelines that were given to us to draw us closer. And by breaking it, we're farther away. It pushes us back, okay? And the result of which, of course, is that when we are farther away, we feel less spirit. We're farther away from the divine fire. So we're just not feeling uh, that spirit quite as much. But I don't know if we've necessarily considered also the fact that anything else that we do that we wouldn't necessarily always consider a sin is going to have the same effect as what we've considered a sin. So, for instance, if distancing, anything we do that distances ourselves, then isn't something like fear or anxiety, is, doesn't that have the same effect of what we see as sin? Uh, because any time that we fear, for instance, it clouds our ability to feel the Spirit. Now, that may sound really harsh that fear or anxiety, in a sense, is a type of fear because it leaves us uh, farther away from our heavenly parents. And yet, it, that's exactly what it does. Our fear, our anxiety, creates a gap that, that makes it harder to feel the, and experience the Spirit. Uh, and so because of that, the natural consequence then of uh, not being able to uh, feel the Spirit is that we are farther away. Now, by that same measure, fearful obedience, if we are obeying those commandments but we do it out of a sense of fear or anxiety, fearful that what will happen if we don't keep the commandments, to a certain extent, that, that may build into us patterns of obedience that will help serve us, but it's not necessarily drawing us that close to God. Um, we're not understanding or becoming like that divine nature because we're operating out of a sense of fear, and if you remove that need to uh, obey, we'd quit doing it. We'd quit, we'd, you know, the, the fear always with people that are fear-based is that if, if uh, the commandments weren't a commandment, we wouldn't do them. Versus if, if over time, keeping the commandments are those things that draw us closer to and we feel the Spirit more when we're keeping the commandments, we're actually starting to obey out of a sense, first of all, of our own um, self-worth. We feel better when we keep the commandments. But also in learning to love, we are becoming more godlike because the commandments teach us how to love. So a fearful obedience is actually kind of a sin because the consequence of that is distance. Um, and we're, we're always worried about trying to, to please. Along with that, another type of sin that we wouldn't necessarily think of a sin is what uh, Peter Enns has, has called the sin of certainty. 
when we are very early in our faith process, we see things dualistically, just all or nothing, black or white. And so because of that, we believe that all truth can be known, and we're in search of that ultimate truth. That's what we want. Um, now, the problem with that, uh, so where's the sin? Well, it's the assumption that we know so completely that it, it robs us of the need to have faith. Um, see, in addition, if, if it's about certainty, we're going to be less open to any other ideas. Uh, for instance, the Spirit can't teach us new truths or teach us anything new. When we assume that we now know all truth, we stop looking for truth. We don't recognize it when it's coming from a direction or a source or a person that we didn't expect to, to teach us about truth. So we ignore it and we miss it. We miss the spiritual strengthening that would come um, that from learning truth from another source. But also in doing that, we've closed off our mind. We've closed off our heart because we know the truth. And in doing that, we will have a harder time feeling the spirit. It's, it's our nearsighted clinging to those things that we think we know that we end up technically sinning. We shun greater light, and as a result of that shunning, more distance is created. So isn't it interesting that basically what we're saying is, again, anything that we do, any behavior that draws us closer to God, uh, is on the right path. Anything that we do, voluntarily, involuntarily, whatever, is going to leave us farther away from the truth. And now, so, so in that standpoint, in a sense, some of our mortal conditions like clinical depression and anxiety and, and serious illness have the same effect a bit of a sin and simply because it leaves us less capable and less able to feel that spirit, at least in this life. And it has the same consequence of an overt breaking of a commandment because uh, we're not able to feel the spirit quite so much. So because of that, um, we're constantly having to look then at the things that we're doing. And if we're having to make a decision in our choices and things that we do, we have to know whether it is um, is feeling, uh, feeling more love, more tenderness, more kindness, which is emanates from God, or we feel more cold, more distant, more angry, farther away. That's why in the very early days when, when um, the book of John talks about uh, John the Baptist proclaiming that people were supposed to uh, repent and be washed, repent and be baptized, that initial word, repent, was actually in the Greek, it translates as metanoia, and it simply means turn around. Stop, stop what you're doing and be different. And, and if we do that, the minute that we turn around, if we have our back towards the sun and we're walking away from the sun, we're in the, a bit in the shadow, we turn around and the sun shines on our face, we feel that warmth. Um, 
we have made an act that uh, that act of turning around whether it's from serious sin or even simply something as simple as finding healing from depression it is it, they, these are kind of anti-sins they are allowing us to feel and feel more connected and to to recognize that feeling and as a result we are closer to being at one like the at one meant uh, the, the the savior does for us the at oneing process is bringing us into closer proximity with God not farther away at oneing is simply being reconciled back to the divine presence how about that okay so we are looking for those opportunities the things that we do now fascinatingly enough often um, as uh, President Jeff Stone of the um, or, uh, Jeff Strong of the Arkansas uh, Mission talks about the fact that so often in their mission as they had missionaries doing more and more service much of the time that they felt the closest to the spirit didn't happen in a temple didn't happen in a church building and often didn't, didn't happen with other members of the church it was acts of service that they were doing in the community that was their highest moments of spirituality it was the moment in which they were ministering to uh, people that could not feel, uh, hadn't felt the love of God, hadn't felt the love of community, and yet these missionaries were coming in and providing that additional strength. And what, what the people felt from the missionaries was love. What the missionaries felt from the people was love. That sense of community is metaneo. It is turning around from things that were self-centered and prideful and serving and loving with their whole heart the way that the Savior has instructed us to do. Uh, and as a result of that, they felt the resonance inside their heart uh, because they were, again, coming closer to that uh, divine flame. And as we do that, and you, you've had this experience where you feel what you're doing is feels good you, you you're like peter on top of the mount of transfiguration where he says it was good for us to be here it was good for us to be here and yes at times you feel maybe as you're paying your tithing or you might feel that as you're attending the temple but you're also going to feel that in the acts that you perform to somebody maybe simply uh, being kind to the, the lady checking you out at the grocery store uh, or, being, or spending an extra moment with a child and you're saying, it was good for me to be here. Why? Because this is godlike. This is what Jesus would do were he here. In that moment, our nature is being slowly shaped, almost conditioned to do more of that that the more that we do these things, are, uh, the more we become different. This is why uh, President Oaks has talked about the fact that the act of exaltation is, a not, is not an accumulation of what we have done. The act of exaltation is about what we have become. And what we've become is someone more like our, our heavenly parents. It just is a more natural act. 
it, it could just flow out of us as easily as we might turn and open the door for somebody as we walk into a building. It might be just as natural as having a plate full of cookies and you just hand one off to somebody that you hadn't planned on giving a cookie but they were there and you had these cookies and you just hand, hand them one. Those are anti-sins. Those are uh, heavenly acts that are based on a heavenly nature that over time the power of the Savior's atonement will change us into people that love and obey naturally not out of a sense of fear or a transactional idea that we're going to get something out of it but it's just who we are it's just what we do because it just feels instinctive uh, to do that now isn't it wonderful to know that in those moments Jesus is changing you in that moment you are becoming something different than you were now finally why, do, why would we look at this and say this is so critical? Because not just is it the, is it the process of us becoming more uh, exalted as we become more like our heavenly parents, but I have to tell you, it's also the idea of redefining what a sin even is. Sometimes when we get caught up in sin, we're thinking about it the way that we do uh, our uh, criminal justice system where a law has been broken and therefore there needs to be suffering and a penalty and there has to be a long period of time until you have somehow paid your dues to society uh, and who's to decide whether you've paid enough or not uh, so that the, the, the scales of justice are balanced. In the heavenly process, much like the prodigal son coming home, the father says, I just simply am going to give you what you need, not what you think you deserve. That's, that's what I want to do. And it's not about a criminal act. It's not even about requiring penal substitution of, of the suffering for somebody else to ultimately pay for that, which is how we tend to frame all of this. But it's so buried into our culture that that sin can only be taken care of by great punishment and great pain versus metaneo, turn around, change your nature, start doing things differently and begin to find how easy it is to walk away from what we have seen as sin and become better, kinder people. And we leave behind those old behaviors and we find that, that in doing that it's easier to do. I just think that from a divine viewpoint, God is more interested, it seems, uh, in, in helping us see those things that pull us closer to them than trying to somehow punish or be offended by the, by the commandments we've broken or the things that we've done. He wants us back. Like any set of parents, they want their kids back. And they're going to meet out enough mercy and enough love to give them every opportunity to come back. And the way to draw them back is to have them feel the pull, the divine pull and power of the Spirit to draw us back into their presence. 
and we will draw back because it feels right. It feels good. It feels like the right thing that, that we need to do. And in doing that, we become more like them. And then we will be comfortable living with them. So what do we take from all this and kind of this special little uh, episode? It's simply this. God wants us back. Anything that we do that separates us from him and from them is we'll, we'll call a sin. Intentional or unintentional, any behaviors that we do are going to separate us out. On, at the same time, any acts that we do are part of that divine reconciliation if they draw us closer and change our nature so that we feel closer and more like them. It's just really simple. Sin separates, uh, divine actions gather. It's always been that way and always will be. I bear in my testimony that we have made more out of sin and need to be place more emphasis on our power to become like our parents and abandon sinful behavior, not out of fear, but out of a deep sense of love and gratitude. And I leave that with you in Jesus' name. And thank you for joining us for another Monday morning class. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions, about future topics that we could discuss, or if you had any questions concerning something that you heard in the class, please drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. As always, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, please come in and join us on a Monday morning. We'd love to see you and identify who you are. If the podcast itself is resonating with you, go ahead and click subscribe. Uh, so that Apple can figure out where we are. We'd love to, to hear from you. So again, thank you for coming, and we'll see you for another Monday morning class.